Hello and welcome to another 2.1 Seconds to Madness, your college basketball podcast. I'm Russell Hainline, joined as always from the Five Starter Crew. We've got K Bad. How's it going, KB? What's up, bro? Hey, man. I got this uh, UNC Clemson game on in the background. Clemson's doing pretty well, but uh, I don't know who this one white dude is for Clemson. But he started the second half. He maybe he's a long lost uh, relative of Luke May or something. He's trying to toss that shit. Hard, mm-hmm. just throwing it away, fouling three-point shooters. It's not a good look. Nope, not a good look. But good look for UNC, obviously, trying to get through a uh, a tough scenario here without Theo Pinson on the road. Uh, let's talk about the week that was, not the week that's currently starting. Um, uh, our all-week first-team selections, the way we always begin the show. KB, who do you have on your all-week first team this week? I will start off with uh, Al Freeman from NC State, um, 29 points, including 7 of 7 from three-point land in NC State's 95-91 overtime win over North Carolina. I thought they were going to lose. Mm-hmm. I thought they were going to lose. They were, yep. I, the defense was so bad. I, You know, if you let Theo Pinson get – I don't remember what he had. I didn't write it down but it was something like 22 and 15 or something. Yeah, it was something like that, yeah. Something like first-team all-ACC level stuff. If you've got Theo scoring 20-plus points against you, come on, man. Yeah, but the thing is, is it was pretty much like just him and Luke and nobody else. Yeah, Barry had a bad game. Yeah, yeah, but also, I mean, like, if Pinson's scoring on you, you know it's just Pinson just driving. That's all it is. Right. So that 22 points is what, like – nine to ten layups <laughs> sure, <laughs> you know i sure. mean like yeah. come on a couple man. putbacks in there and then yeah. you know they've got you know abu and yurt seven you know they've got uh they've got bigger bodies you would think that they uh, uh, part of me wonders if maybe it's just like part of the design of what they want to do how they want to get up and down the court so fast and the fact that abu and yurt seven are guys that can actually move i sort of wonder whether they're not even trying as hard as they should to like say crash the defensive glass or you know um you know maybe maybe they're just trying to get out and transition quickly i'm i'm just trying to make excuses for how bad that defense was Mm -hmm. uh luckily unc's defense was worse um down the stretch and like you said al freeman was a monster i I just tweeted this literally minutes before uh we started uh somewhat inspired by the first half that clemson has had here um UNC quietly has had a very bad defensive team in ACC play. Everyone's talked about how bad Duke is uh, in ACC play. UNC's defensive efficiency is four and a half points lower than Duke's has been, which is really saying something. And UNC has been allowing 39% from three-point land over the course of ACC play as well, uh, which, again, is not good. It – that may be part and parcel of with their smaller lineup. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, it's that's not good. And then they just let Clemson score ten three pointers in the first half of this game. So it continues. It continues. Um, but good win for NC State. Obviously, uh, now they've got wins against Duke and against UNC. I I feel like that's got to get Arizona. them in the tournament. And Arizona. And Arizona. That's right. I mean, you got to think they're in the tournament, even though their their record is not great. I mean, they could they could still screw it up, obviously. But 
it's NC State. They could definitely screw it up. But I think at this point, they have a solid resume for the tournament. You would you would have to think so at this point. Yeah, the and, and they've just got a good yeah. style for the tournament, too. I mean, like, this is not sure, going to be sure. one of those unsexy, under-the-radar uh, teams because they're – they're just going to have so much offense. They're going to put up 90 points a game in some of these games. So I think uh, I think people will take notice. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, good. I'll stick with the ACC. I'll go ahead and get this one out of the way. Uh, Ty Jerome, uh, or as I called him uh, last episode, call Ty Jerome. Mm-hmm. Uh, 13 points, five rebounds, seven assists, three steals including the Farouk Manesh-esque dagger uh, against Duke. Uh, Very interesting game. The best half of defense I've seen all year. Uh, You know, they took the number one offense in the country and held them to something like, what, 22 points? It was something something low, Uh, 23, somewhere in there. Uh, And then Duke really figured it out for the second half. I mean, Duke scored 41 points in the second half. They, uh, I think, had the best, most efficient offensive half that any team has had against UVA all season long. But it was just, at that point, not enough because it had gone so awry in the first half. Um, UVA had a lot of trouble inside with Bagley and Carter, obviously. But they did a really great job against Duke's backcourt. Duke's backcourt went 8 for 26 shooting, had a basically 1-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio, uh, which is not going to win you a game against a team like Virginia. Um, And Jerome, uh, who I sort of put myself out there a little bit uh, a couple weeks ago when I said I thought Ty Jerome was a little bit better than Kyle Guy at the end of the day. Uh, Jerome definitely had the better game than Kyle Guy against uh, Duke without question. Um, Guy definitely had some good baskets early, but was far less efficient. He just shoots the ball a lot more. I think Jerome is, uh, is sort of a more sneaky assassin. Uh, and yeah, Virginia is going to win the ACC. Uh, they've got a, what now, two game, three game lead over Duke in addition to the tie break. There's no way Duke can make that up. Uh, Louisville, I think, is the only team that has a realistic chance. They're going to play this week at Virginia, but Louisville has been crushed by Virginia over the last few years. I don't see that changing at all. So, yeah, Virginia's going to win the ACC. They're going to lock up a number one seed pending some obscene collapse. The question here is obviously, uh, is there room for a second number one seed in the ACC? Uh, Remains to be determined. We'll see. Uh, Who's your next guy, KB? Uh, my next guy would be Penn State guard Tony Carr. 28 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, and the game-winning heave is what I would call it. And they're 82-79 over Ohio State. And he followed that up with a solid outing in their 60-43 win over Rutgers with 16 points, 5 rebounds, and 4 assists. First of all, I meant to ask, KB, before I had moved on, did you uh, either get to see any of that Duke-Virginia game or did you have any thoughts on either of those teams? Not really. I didn't get a chance to watch it. I was out of town. Um, but uh, as regarding Virginia, I, I'm not sure how they're doing this. Um, don't be wrong. Tony Bennett's a hell of a coach. Just looking at their individual pieces, like they have some talent. I just don't know if this team is built to go far and more. I, I just, you know, I, I just don't see it. But, and you know why? It, it's, it's partially my fault because – I'm one of these people that's always been kind of taught that in order for a college basketball team to have success in March 
or just for the team to be successful year in and year out, it has to have at least three surefire pros on it. If you don't have three surefire pros on your team, chances are you're not a very good college basketball team. And that's just something I kind of grew up believing. And I'm looking at Virginia and I just don't see it. So it's that's partially on me. And it really might be nothing against them. But just as we move forward, I don't know if I see them advancing. I don't see them, you know, if they played Arizona in March, I'm picking Arizona all day. And I probably have no reason to do that whatsoever, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> right. You definitely have a point that it tends to be the teams that are in the Final Four, at least even if they're not, like, really pros, they tend to get, like, at least two or three guys drafted. Right. You know, there tend to be people who are getting drafted sure. on this team. sure. sure. You know, I mean, maybe somebody would go for, like, Isaiah Wilkins, like, in that same way that, like, Josh Hustis was picked for his defense. Wilkins has been a tremendous defender, mm-hmm. high-energy rebounder guy. So, I mean, maybe he could get, like, a second-round pick for that or something. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really see Kyle Guy being a pro necessarily. Obviously not Jerome. Um, I do think DeAndre Hunter this year is a big difference maker. I was going to bring him up. I really like that kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah I he's really like got him. a lot yeah. of potential. He really uh, does. He's going to be really good for them. Yeah, man. Um, and, you know, also um, uh, the Virginia win over Duke, all the more impressive because Isaiah Wilkins sat out for a good portion of that game. Um, I, I was asking some people uh, this. But interestingly, you brought up Arizona, KB. So I asked this on Twitter if – your team, let's say, let's say it's Georgetown, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say, mm-hmm. uh, let's say Pat doesn't work out or he leaves for another job, whatever, whatever. Right. And you've and you've got a choice between Sean Miller and Tony Bennett. Mm-hmm. Who's coaching your basketball team? Because <laughs> I know uh, what the I know what the eye test wants to say, but I also know that Virginia has. I mean, like, I, I I can't get my mind around the fact that Virginia in ACC play since Tony Bennett arrived there is, like, double-digit losses losing fewer games than Duke and UNC mm-hmm. and, than either of them. They've won the ACC either outright or shared for it, what, at least half of the year since he's been there? I mean, how right. many times did Virginia do that post-Ralph Sampson? Right. You know what I mean? Like... You know, maybe, maybe the, the Curtis Staples year, they were kind of good. I mean, I, I'm just sitting here thinking, like, how did he the, – the system just works, man. <laughs> and and Sean Miller and, – and people brought up to me, like, yeah, but Tony Bennett's not going to win in March. Yeah, but what's Sean Miller won? Nothing. Nothing the either. Argu- yeah, the argument for me is, is that, yeah, Tony Bennett is, to me, easily the better head coach as far as X's and O's implemented his system, finding guys who fit his system. But that's the thing. Like, would I just be content with us, you know, winning 25, 26, 27 games every year, being a, you know, top three seed in the NCAA tournament every single year, um, perennial top 15 team? Like, would I be cool with that? But knowing that he's not really going to recruit guys who are going to be potential NBA All-Star. So I also have something to brag about once they get into the league. Because say what you want, like DeAndre Aiden's going to go to the NBA. He's going to be a 
very good if, of course. Uh, uh, pro, if not perennial all-star. So then that's something that Arizona fans get to also kind of shove in the face of their friends who are also UCLA fans or USC fans or whatever it may be. And that's something that, you know, I grew up doing. Like, shit, right. I, oh, I had Pat. I had AI. Like, I had that. And I miss that now. Like, I miss, like, winning, of course. But I also miss, like, having guys I can watch and watch them flourish. But sure. I also know that helps recruiting. So, sure. like, when guys, you know, see players from that school come, they say, like, yeah, I'm coming in. They say, I can be like this guy. I can be like that guy. That help, You know, it's a cycle. So, I, I see the pros and cons of both sides. But, I really can't answer But that do you question. think Virginia – I mean, like, again, to play devil's advocate here, I, obviously Sean Miller is the better recruiter. But I can also sit and argue that Virginia, you know, maybe their best two recruiting classes have been, like, their last two. I mean, haven't they had like I, something like two or three McDonald's All Americans in the past two, three years? Which before Kyle Guy was one. Um, I, if I'm, I'm not mistaken, I think he was one. And was Hunter one? They, Maybe Hunter was. No, wasn't he, one. Hunter, he's Hunter just, wasn't one. No, 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 no. I don't but know. He if they was definitely coming in for next year. He was a four star yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, I, mean, yeah. He, yeah I mean, yeah. they're definitely just moving in the right direction to some extent, right? And I, and I feel like at a certain point, if you're Maybe not if you're the guy who, like, wants the ball. Maybe not if you're, like, a future NBA All-Star one-and-done type of guy. Sure. Right? But if you're a guy who's, like, a four-star with, like, some good potential, some good athleticism, length, etc., I mean, like, you know if you go and play for Tony Bennett, you're going to have, you know, three, four years, 25-plus wins per game. And, I mean, you can look at some of the guys that, I mean, Malcolm Brogdon is now in the pros. Sure. Uh, Justin sure. Anderson is in the pros. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, again, these aren't guys who are lighting the world on fire or anything, but these are guys that I don't think most people thought would be people who would stick in the NBA necessarily. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I, I just wonder whether if over time that will and, – and especially, again, if it was – a team maybe with a little more history like a Georgetown or whatever, would would that turn some of that around? I'm not sure. Right, right. But I, I just – and especially considering that I'm pretty sure, without looking at it, that Bennett has more wins than Miller anyway, and Miller has unquestionably been in the easier conference. You know what yeah, I mean? no doubt about it. Yeah. So I, I just wonder, even though I, I – when we do the March Madness episode again, I'm sure we're going to talk about it once more, the slow-paced style of play that's sort of vulnerable to a hot jump-shooting team definitely feels vulnerable in March, but all it takes sure. is the one year. It just takes the one good lineup, the one bracket unfolding just right. You know what I mean? And the other thing I wanted to add about Virginia this year, why their defense is so much better this year than in years past – is uh, I heard this on the Three Man Weave podcast, and my mind was kind of blown. Virginia in ACC play is averaging about a 25% turnover rate. And to put it in comparison, West Virginia is like at 22-23. So not only are they doing the pack line that they always do, they're also turning teams over more than West Virginia does. So when you've got those two things together, no wonder they're holding teams to 50 points every game. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know because this is their best defense ever. They got a couple of guys who can shoot some threes. They got Wilkins, the defender down low. I don't, Hunter off the bench. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe this is the year. Well, I'll have to see how it lines up. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'll and I'm, and if it was right. Virginia versus Arizona, some coach is getting fried. <laughs> One of them is getting fried. <laughs> One way or the other. You're right about that, man. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, and then Penn State. I, I just wanted to ask if you thought that Penn State uh, was putting together a a tournament roster, or whether this was just one of their uh, nah, it was happy a big to be win. here. Uh, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, it was a big win. Um, you know, they definitely made some strides this season. I know Pat Chambers was on a little bit of fire coming into the season, you know. Um, and, you know, I thought he's actually done a really good job of accumulating talent and getting some guys that um, I didn't really think were going to end up at Penn State. Um, but he got guys that were, you know, highly thought of, but also guys who weren't, you know, like Tony Carr, for example, somebody that was really highly thought of, highly recruited. Right. But, you know, somebody that you didn't think was, like, going to be, like, a one or two and done. Somebody that was going to stick around for a little bit and, like, you know, be like a – a program guy, but somebody could like potentially like change the program around, and he's right. like, really he really been that. And you know, Lamar Stevens made, is real good. Lamar too. Stevens like is really good, absolutely. Um, so they made some strides this season, and um, again, you know, big win over Ohio State. I said last week that I wasn't really all that big on Ohio State, so it wasn't really surprising to see them win this game. Now, of course, the ending was bananas. Of course, like you don't expect the game to end, <laughs> to end that way, but. Um, right. Yeah, Penn State's another team. Like, you look at some teams in the Big Ten, we'll get to Nebraska in a little bit, that are a little bit surprising this season that are surprisingly putting together, like, you know, some some tournament resumes. And, you know, we talked last week about how bad the Big Ten is, but you start to look at teams like, could Penn State potentially make it? Could Nebraska potentially make it? We'll see. But do you think, do you think that Penn State looks like it has something that is closer to a bubble tournament resume because the Big Ten is so bad? That's if you look yeah. out. If you look outside sure, of the uh, conference, the, like they're out of conference, their best win is like Montana at home. Right. I mean, they, they got nothing else outside of that. And, and then, like in the conference, there's not really a whole lot of opportunity to just get like signature wins. But beating Ohio State, you like you do, you know, sure. you take care of business and you get a signature win. Like, I mean, it was. They've definitely help got them. a. They've definitely got a back, uh, a back heavy schedule. They got Michigan State on the road, Purdue on the road. They got Ohio State again. They got Michigan again. You know, I I think realistically, in order to get into the tournament, they've got to finish at least fifty percent in conference play. Probably ten and eight would make them feel a little better. Yeah. Not convinced this is a tournament team. Might be an NIT team, but like you said, I mean, their stars at this point are sophomores and juniors. They'll all be back next year for the most part. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's good for them long term. It's good for Pat Chambers' job. Did you see, uh, speaking of Big Ten coaches, you see Fran McCaffrey's uh, contract uh, extension stuff? I, I heard about I didn't see the, the actual language. People were saying how ridiculous it was. Yeah, it was something like um, now he's gotten his uh, – now he's got – like that they added this year without announcing it, a $10 million buyout if they fire him this year. And next year it only drops to like $9 million. What? And then the year after it only drops to like 8 or 7 so, like, they got one of those whack-ass, like, Tom Crean at Indiana uh, buyout schedules where now, regardless of what happens, Fran has got another, like, four years just because I was not going to want to pay that shit. Right. So, good – hey, I, w- I want Fran's agent. You know what I mean? Fran, Fran's agent him. would hook me up. But um, you know what, though? If it ever came to a dead fire, I'm dead, you know. Big Ten schools now with this Big Ten deal, they're just they're loaded. So, they, yeah, they but I feel like, but I feel like Fran's team. never bad enough to be like that about. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Fran is always the guy that it's like, it's always like ah, oh, but like next year they're young, they got yeah. some pieces. They're not yeah. good this year. They're bad next year. 
if they were bad next year, I think I think it would be more of a frying pan scenario. But um, but yeah, it'd be another nine million. I don't know, man. Yeah. That's they, pretty. They, they, that's they, that's they, brutal. They do it. Uh, my second guy. This uh, let's see. Speaking of Big Ten, Vincent Edwards, uh, Purdue, thirty-five and five, uh, in their win over Michigan, ninety-two to eighty-eight. Uh, this is one of the best games I've seen all year. KB, the second half of this game was outstanding. Um, I think both in the second half score was fifty-two to fifty-one, <laughs> with just the second half. They were just they neither team could miss. Um, I think I saw Purdue scored one point. Four two points per possession, and they made 11 threes on 55% shooting. Michigan, the losing team, scored 1.35 points per possession, 13 made threes on 56.5% shooting from three, uh, which I think is definitely the highest uh, points per possession of a losing team in major conference play so far this season. Um yeah, the difference maker is just, uh, and, you know, I talked about this before, Michigan's very much a jump-shooting team, and uh, Purdue got to the line a lot. Uh, Michigan did not. And that's all That's all she wrote, really, at the end of the day. Um, you know, Purdue got to the free-throw line a lot more. Uh, Michigan's playing pretty well. I'm pretty impressed with them. Um, but, yeah, Purdue is Purdue's tough. And, you know, like Isaac Haas, shout out to Isaac Haas, who looked in this game like Jaleel Okafor 2015, where, like, just just throw him the ball and it, it doesn't matter. Like, once he's got the ball within eight feet, it's over. There's, it's there's over. nothing you can do. Like he's his one touch, of the largest college he's so basketball big. players I can, like, he's like, like, I, I look at him kind of like I looked at Shaq at LSU. Right. Like not and not like don't get me wrong, not nearly as good, but like just on the sure. floor, he looks massive. And you know, he for a guy as big as he is, first of all, he moves pretty well. He does. He, yeah. he, he passes really well for a guy his size. Mm-hmm. Uh, his his touch is tremendously soft for a guy his size, also. Um, and you know, I think the really clever thing that Matt Painter has done is they're not asking him to rebound or block shots. Really, he got a couple of blocks against Michigan. But you'd think a guy his size, you'd want, like, your 10 boards a game. You'd want your uh, whatever. But um, they just seem content to say, hey, you know what? Uh, Get your six boards a game. As long as you're efficient, down low, you're not fouling out, and we can dump you the ball whenever you get a chance. Because I've seen it a couple times now. And for the most part, teams are just double teaming him, which is making Purdue's jump shooters happy as clams, obviously. And in this game – John Bayline was pretty content to just throw a one-on-one defender against him, and it was laughable. I mean, right, like every right, single time yeah, he yeah. got fed the ball. So when you consider how strong Purdue is defensively, when you consider that they shoot threes at an unbelievable percentage, they pass the ball really well, and they've got Isaac Haas down low. I mean, this is a, in my mind, absolutely a one seed, at least right now. I, no I'd be surprised if they don't win the Big Ten. Uh, if they win the Big Ten, especially if they win it the way that I suspect that they'll win it, I mean, yeah, that, that's easily a one seed. You know, probably the one seed in the Midwest or wherever it is that they want it. So, um, so yeah, Purdue. Shout out to Purdue. They're killing it. This is the I best Purdue a, team a, since, like, Big Dog. I was a year early on them. I was big on them last year. I don't know if you remember. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, 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 I liked them too. Uh, I, I'm always a little scared – 
I'm a little scared even this year that Purdue is not unlike some Villanova teams of years past where they shoot the ball from three so much that all it'll really take is one bad shooting game in the tournament and then that's it. And and we sort of saw against Indiana this week, uh, they almost lost to Indiana. Now, granted, that's a rivalry game, but – um, yeah, they, they weren't making their threes. And so Indiana, who can't shoot for shit, had a chance. You know, um, so I worry about that a little bit, but that's that's a small concern compared to the concerns of other teams. Uh, who's your next guy, KB? Uh, my next guy would be uh, Kentucky for Kevin Knox, 34.7 rebounds in the Wildcats, 83-76 comeback win over West Virginia. I, I'll be honest, I didn't watch the second half. Me neither. I turned it off. I, I, I saw the score. I was like, there's no reason. I saw West Virginia in a timeout, and, like, Huggy was sitting there, like, just kind of like, hey, we got in the bag, fellas. Uh, what y'all doing after the game? And I turned, and, yeah, they, they lost. So Yeah, my eyes got big as shit when I saw that final score. Um, yeah, I mean, good for them. I'll try and I'll try and watch this replay at some point just because – I've thought all year that Kentucky's had a lot of potential. Uh, obviously, with that much talent, it's hard to dismiss them regardless of how they play at any point. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously the re- reports afterwards were that the second half was the best they've played all year. Um, and I'd be interested in, in seeing that. So, yeah. Uh, let's see. Sticking to the SEC, I've got Jared Harper, Auburn. Uh, I'm just going to start talking about Auburn every uh every week because Auburn is so fun to watch. Auburn's incredible. Bruce Pearl in my mind has got to be coach of the year. I I don't know who is going to have better uh a better resume than Bruce Pearl for coach of the year. The only reason he wouldn't win is because of the FBI shit, but they lost Purefoy, they lost Wiley, and all they've done since that loss is come out and and they're almost certainly going to win the SEC or they're in great position to do so. They have the best offense in the SEC by far and they've got a top three defense in the SEC. Uh, their style is insanely fun to watch. It's so up-tempo. They shoot a bunch of threes. They shoot well. They're all long athletes. Um, they're, they're big for you know what you would expect their size to be, but they play insanely small. They're basically playing four guards, but all their guards are like 6'3", 6'3", 6'5", with the exception of Harper. And then they've got uh, Anthony McElmore down low, who's 6'7", but who's the leading shot blocker in the country. He's blocking shots at a higher rate than any player since Hassan Whiteside played for Marshall. So, I mean, if if you're looking for a really fun team to watch, just at this point, Auburn is on my DVR. Anytime they're playing, they're playing tonight. They're on my DVR. They're playing Mississippi. I think they'll win. DVR. Um, and yeah, Jared Harper in the second half of that Missouri game looked unstoppable. He was incredible. Um, 21 points, six assists, no turnovers, three steals. Yeah, he made like five threes in the second half. Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't know what best three-point shooting team in the SEC, best free-throw shooting team in the SEC. Just so many of the measurables, they are the best team. So unless Kentucky, you know, pulls it together or – you know, maybe maybe a team like Alabama, like teams that you could say have more talent. Um, but yeah, Auburn's got they're running on all cylinders, and and people who are not watching Auburn need to start watching because it's it's so much fun. 
But yeah, they beat the shit out of Missouri, basically, is where I was going with that. Okay. And Missouri's bad. Yeah, he bad. Missouri's not good. Um, Your next guy, uh, KB. Uh, my next guy would be James Palmer from Nebraska, 28 points and five assists in the Huskers. 98-84 win over Iowa, and he followed up with another 28-point game um, and added eight rebounds in their 74-63 win over Wisconsin. You're all in on Nebraska this year, KB. Uh, not you really. Mentioned, I mean, you, mentioned, you mentioned him a few times. I'm, I'm just impressed. I, li- they, I like the – like well, I'll be honest. I've been following him a little bit because Isaac Copeland transferred there, and he was mm, immediately okay. eligible. And I've just, you know, just wanted to see how he was going to do. They got a couple, uh, another decent He played pretty guy. well against Wisconsin. Uh, he did, yesterday. yesterday. It was, was last that yesterday? Night. Yeah. Last night, yep. Um, played pretty good in that game. Um, James Palmer was from D.C. with St. John's um, with the Miami before he transferred to Nebraska. He's had a you know, very good season. Um, and I was just interested to see if, you know, this was going to be a 10 miles, like actually did something. I know he was feeling a little bit of heat as well. Um, and they got a kid that's from uh, O'Connell. Um, high school here in the D.C. area, point guard Xavier Johnson, I really wanted at Georgetown. And I was actually thinking that he actually might be available in the spring if Miles got fired. But, um, yeah, I mean, dude, we talked about it earlier in the season. They got drilled by St. John's. And after that game, I was like, yeah, this is a bad team. They're not making a tournament. Tim Miles won't be coach in March. Right. And, um, yeah, they, they pulled the it tournament. together some. They pulled it together. Yeah, they might make the tournament, man. So. Currently projected on Kempom to finish 21 and 10, 12 and 6 in conference. And frankly, even that I feel like is uh, aggressively pessimistic. They've only got two away games left, one of which is against a bad Illinois team, and the second of which is against a very shorthanded Minnesota team. Uh, and even their home games, their toughest games left at home are Maryland and Penn State. I mean, they've got a right. very yeah. soft back end of the schedule there. They could mm-hmm. realistically finish with only, like, five losses in conference, a nine-loss team, and that would absolutely be a tournament team. Yep. yep. So, yeah, good for Nebraska ball, pulling it together. Uh, let's see, my next guy, I've got Lonnie Walker, uh, Miami, uh, 25 points, four rebounds. Three assists, two steals, and a block, and the incredible play to force overtime against Louisville. Um, you know, I, I've been really impressed with what I've seen from him in flashes, but uh, this was the game that I think a lot of people who projected him as a potential one-and-done lottery pick, this this is what people were looking for. I mean, he's a good shooter, 37% from three on the season. He can get to the cup with just absolute ease. Uh yeah, and they needed it really badly. Bruce Brown was having a bad game. Now he's out for six weeks, so Lonnie Walker will continue to have a chance to finish this. But Louisville's a sneaky good team. You know, again, as I said earlier, they're the only team realistically that could challenge Virginia for the ACC. And, and Lonnie Walker pretty much threw the team on his back. So uh, big shout-out to him, and it certainly helped his uh, one-and-done stock without question. Yep. Have you uh, Have you seen him play yeah. yet? Yeah, 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 very, yeah. Uh, very talented kid. Um, he's got all the tools. You just kind of wondering when he was going to kind of put it all together and show, like, you know, everything that he's capable of doing and, like, put together, like, a nice string of games where he just kind of just showed the whole arsenal. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just read a lot about that kid coming out of high school, just how talented he was and how big of a kid it was from Miami. And, Where's he um, from again? He's from, I want to say he's from PA, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, very talented, man. Yeah, and 
yeah, to do that against a team like Louisville that they're they hang their hat on defense. I mean, that's uh, that's no small feat. Uh, so KB, who's your last guy for your all week first team? Uh, last guy would be Keenan Evans, Texas Tech, twenty eight points, five assists, and the rate rate of seventy five seventy one over Iowa State, and he followed up with twenty well, excuse me thirty one points, and they're seventy six three win over South Carolina. Boy, you know, I, I feel like he had his – if it wasn't for Trey Young, he'd be Big 12 Player of the Year. Like, he definitely, definitely has the numbers for four, no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, but unfortunately, Trey Young is, is there, and that's that. Yep. Yeah. Um, how good do you think Texas Tech is? I don't think they're a really good team. To be honest with you. you don't think they're good? They got some, they yeah. got some talent. They got some experience. Yeah. Only four losses, uh, you know, number 11 on Ken Palm. Uh, obviously beat Kansas on the road, um, something that doesn't happen much. Beat Nevada, who's been very good this year, sort of gave Seton Hall a bit of a game there for a bit. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not 100% sure what to think of them. They're very good defensively. Again, they do pack line, same as, uh, same as Virginia does. So, be interesting to see whether they have sort of the continued struggles in the postseason that uh, Virginia has had with the pack line. But again, this is a team where you know they've got seniors, good amount of seniors on the court a lot, and that helps in March. Uh, and then my fifth guy. Speaking of the Big Twelve, I gotta give it up to a guy who I've sort of razzed over the last couple of years, Svi Mikhailuk. Of Kansas, uh, last two games, twenty-four, six, and three on four of eight shooting from three, and the win over Texas A&M, and then twenty-two point seven rebounds on five of nine shooting from three, and the win at Kansas State, which was a huge win for Kansas's uh, Big Twelve hopes. Um, Kansas's road slate gets a lot easier in the back half, except for uh, you know at Texas Tech. Uh, so yeah, I mean Kansas in my mind, has easily the best chance to win the Big 12 yet again. And a large part of that is the fact that Svi just finds himself open. I don't know whether teams just, like, take him for granted a little bit or, like, what exactly it is, but he's shooting, like, 47% from three on the season, 48% from three. He's coming up on 80 made threes for the season, and he's got a month left. You know, so I don't know why people don't just – put a hand in his face at absolutely all times but but yeah he's he's been a huge difference maker and uh you know the other thing that's encouraging if you're a Kansas fan I talked about how they've been overly jump shot reliant they're definitely starting to drive a lot more get fouled a lot more go to the line a lot more uh which again will definitely help them come March so shout out to Svee uh who are your elite eight KB your top eight teams in the nation Top eight, I'm going to start at number eight as always. Number eight, Cincy. Seven, Xavier. Six, Kansas. Five, Michigan State. Four, Purdue. Three, Duke. Two, UVA. One, still Nova. Uh, I'm going to go number eight, Auburn. Uh, just got to put them up there. Lo- love watching them play too much. Number seven, Michigan State. I'm still a little lower on Michigan State than some people are. Uh, six, uh, I've got Xavier. Five, Kansas four duke three uh i'm putting uva below purdue right now uh just because i think purdue 
their their balance is just exceptional. Uh, number two, Purdue, and number one, uh, until they are proven otherwise, Villanova. By the way, I I forget what the stat was that I uh, read KB, but I th- want to say like in the last four what was it four years? Tell me if you think this sounds right. The last four seasons, uh, Villanova's lost nine Big East games total. In the last four years, does that sound right? That sounds that... about right, Ned. They had when after they lost to who did they lose to on the road? I think it was Butler. Yeah, who earlier was that one? Season, yeah, yeah, earlier on the season, and there was a guy who was a beat writer for Michigan State who said that you know pretty much like this is what happens when you kind of ride the wave of a Trinity team. Like pretty much saying the only reason that Nova was ranked number one at the time was because. Writers wanted to seem like, you know, they were being trendy by voting Nova number one. Like, and this would never happen to Michigan State, never happened to Duke. And they ended up having to Michigan State and Duke the same week. They ended up losing right. on the road, so it seemed they had no business losing to. But I actually right. responded to what he was saying. I'm like, dude, they won a fucking national championship like <laughs> like a year ago. And, uh, like, I put that record down. It was something obscene, their record over the last three or four years. So It's gross. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah, it, like that, basically what I'm saying is like, what the hell are you talking about trendy? Like, they are who they are. They're an elite basketball program now, so and what I, the hell and are you I, talking about? I feel like, and, and this is just, I realize that me throwing this out there is just like catnip for KB here. Uh, you know, I feel like a big reason why people end up having that sort of take is because they still think the Big East is, you know, like a mid-major, you know, they they don't realize just how yeah. good the Big East has been over the last, you know, four sure. or five years, even in their sure. down years, you know, uh, still better than many. Um, it's a 10-team league that is routinely now, even after it broke, every, at the same six minimum. Left, they're getting six every year. Yeah. And this year they're saying possibly they could possibly get seven teams in the tournament. So in right. what universe is that a mid-major conference? Yeah, they're just not on ESPN. That's it. And that's, that's what it. people like. It, people are pro. That's why I, I haven't seen Villanova ESPN, as much. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. right. It's it's hard. It's hard right. to keep up sometimes. There. I tell you what. If Big East had an app where you could go back and watch the games the same way that you can on Watch ESPN, it would help people watch Big East more. I feel like now with more and more people watching stuff on streaming, unless you're a fan hmm. of that team or it's like an appointment game, like. People aren't going to be as likely to tune in, but fans of the sport, especially like sometimes I'll hear that there was like a Big East game that like I wasn't expecting to be real close, but then it turned out to be really close and exciting. I go to try to watch the replay, can't find it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So now like if there's even a game that I think is interesting, I go ahead and DVR it just in case. (laughs) Right, but right. but I I know for a fact there have got to be people out there who don't DVR games like me who would like to watch more basketball, but ultimately if you can watch literally any game from any non-Big East major conference on the ESPN app, it's a it's a yeah. it's a hard thing to reconcile. Yeah, I get it. Rook, yeah. I found the tweet. It was from a guy named Graham Couch, and this was on December thirtieth. He says, conference road games are bare, but what Butler is doing at Villanova wouldn't happen to Michigan State or Duke. It's not Nova's resume is better than either of those teams either. That Nova is number one is an example of a trendy team getting votes, and once you're number one, no one looks closer. And my simple response, and he responded back, 
because like my response was like pretty much dude shut the fuck up it was nova is 113 and 13 over the last four years including national championship but they're quote-unquote trendy and i put my i shrugged my shoulders like they're 113 and 13 and like and probably three of those losses are in the tournament (laughs) right exactly so what the hell are we talking about isn't that isn't that crazy? Now, do you That's, think like oh, God. It, it, I got think, mad all over again? Like, <laughs> <laughs> do you think there's a chance like uh, are they gonna be able once uh, assuming Jalen Brunson leaves, which he might, right? And, and uh, Bridges will will leave after this year, probably also. Yeah, um, you know, do you think they've got the bodies to maintain this again next season? Like I mean, they got Divincenzo, who's really good. Yeah, I mean, that's and, it, the thing and I about don't it, want, like... I don't want to be a skeptic because you know I, I feel like it was easy to go like, oh, once Josh Hart left, oh well, they're not going to be able to well, do that anymore. Well, see, right. that's the thing. Like people kind of felt like he was the guy that kind of like really brought that like that grit and like that toughness that Villanova teams kind of lacked, and he brought it. And you know, he was so much better than everybody thought he was going to be. He's all American, player of the year candidate, like. He was like, you know, the straw. And once he left, like, we'll see how good they're going to be now. And, like, they haven't, like, they haven't skipped a beat, man. Like, this is kind of what they do now. They just kind of whoop ass. And I expect it to kind of just go on as long as he's coached there. Like, yeah, they are the, yeah. like, our conference overlords, man. Like, it, as, as much as it sucks for me to say that, like, it is what it is, man. Like. Well, and also, like, the big, a, a big reason why they're that, too, is because the only team that could realistically, or at least over the past couple of seasons, that could realistically compete with them, which is Xavier, they've just owned Xavier over the past few years. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, it's not like it's not like they're going back and forth or whatever. Like, if you can routinely beat the consistently second-best team, then – then you're going to have a really good record. Right. Uh, I do want to say once again, though, you know, uh, they're they're like top 25 in the country in terms of shooting threes more than anything else. I, again, like, I, I feel like this is a great example, though, of how style can ultimately, re- regardless of whether it's something that can also lose lose you a tournament early, it can also win you a tournament because Villanova, when they won the tournament, they were they were just lights out the whole tournament. And then the other tournaments that they've lost, what's happened? They go cold. They lose uh, first weekend. You know what I mean? So when you're really three-reliant, you can win it all if you don't miss, but you could also go out early. I feel like it's going to be the same thing for Villanova this year. I, I think people now – you know, once they won it, I think now people believe, like, going into the tournament, like, there was always that doubt whether or not their style would allow them to actually go all the way. And now that they've done it, you see that they can do it. So, I don't really think I wonder it's that how, I wonder how much, much of in people's mind anymore. I wonder how much of the style that year, though, is the fact that they were much better at rebounding that year because of Ochefi. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Like, more yeah, possessions. Right. Yep. Oh boy, KB Clemson's trying. Clemson's been trying to Clemson this thing, KB. I, but, uh, I, I turn that game. I don't. I don't want to see them give that game up. I really don't, man. So I, I, I'm looking at the Wizards. <laughs> they just hit. They just hit a big three with about a minute forty-five left. So they're they're up three, but they've been fouling so much. Why are you gonna let Cameron Johnson beat you like that? You know what I mean? What do I know? 
Um, for all I know, Cameron Johnson is going to be the guy that's going to whip Duke's ass in a week, for all I know. Yes. Uh, ooh, Child Award winner this week. The star for whom things will get a little easier down the line. Uh, yeah, my uh, ooh, Child and Gunner of the week is the, uh, the same guy. It's St. John's guy, Shamori Ponds. Um, in the Red Storm, 70-45 lost to Butler. He was over 12 from the field um, and over 3 from 3. Um, and that, this is very surprising um, looking at his stats for the season. On the season, he is now shooting 20% from three-point line. I did yeah, not well, know that. Yeah, I mean, especially now that Lavette is is done, I mean, that's so much of the scoring burden is on his shoulders. I'm sure that now he just feels like he's got to do absolutely everything. Right. And, yeah, that makes it a lot harder. They're a bad team. Oh, I know I'm staying obvious. Clemson just scored under 30 seconds left, that. KB. I saw that. Oh, he turned play, it back. Man. He turned it back. He turned it back. All right. Um, yeah, Duke's got St. John's on the road this week. And, you know, we talked about early in the season, if they get hot, they can beat anybody. But, man, without Lavette, I mean, if Pons has to do everything. Yeah, it's just not. That's, that's going to be tough. Recipe, My child award winner is somebody who uh, we mentioned earlier who's having a very good game today is Joel Berry from UNC. Played 41 minutes in the loss to NC State, scored six points on three of 12 shooting. Uh, and ultimately, they just they need so much more from him. You know, uh, I, I've heard a lot of UNC people be very low presently on, uh, on UNC, largely because uh, they need Barry and May both good in the same game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they don't have that, they are quite vulnerable. Yeah. Um, and you know, May, I, I haven't seen the box score. They've been getting obviously a huge game from Johnson today. I don't know what May's numbers look like, but at least in the first half, May was definitely struggling with Elijah Thomas. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how that proceeds. My gunner of the week, KB, Chris Clemens and Marcus Burke from Campbell. Okay. Now, I know I tweeted you this earlier this week. Mm-hmm. So as a little context for people who have not seen the story, by the way, do you know the mascot for Campbell, KB? Campbell Camels, right? Yes, indeed. Nicely done. Uh, No pair of players has made even as many as eight three-pointers apiece in the past five-plus seasons. Uh, Say that one more time. Say that one more time. No pair of players has made each of them eight threes in a single game in the last five-plus seasons. Okay. Somebody asked Ken Pomeroy, like, when was the last time this happened? And he was like, I don't even know. <laughs> Which hmm. for Ken Palm is really saying something. Um, but yeah, Chris Clemens went 10 of 14 from three. And Marcus Burke went 10 of 16 from three. They were 20, and 20 of 30 from three. And a combined two for three from two-point land. <laughs> <laughs> I know you like that, KB. <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. I would have – The team as a play? whole – Wait, uh-huh. it gets better. The team as a whole went 23 for 33 from three and four yeah. for nine from two-point land. They yeah, took nine two-pointers yeah. over that, the course man. of the game. Fuck nine! I, I'd have got ejected. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> if I, there's no way I'm sticking around for this. Nah. They're unconscious from three. Like, nah, man, I'm good. Just, yeah, I, I can go take a shower. Campbell, Campbell scored 1.47 points per possession, and they committed 15 turnovers. Like, do you know how wow. hard it must be to get nearly a point and a half per possession and turn it over on and 15 possessions? Over. Wow. Wow. <laughs> 
Liberty played well. They got they got one and a third points per possession, but one the other team is twenty for thirty for three. And it's just two guys. It's at a certain point, don't you just go galooly on a guy? Yeah, that's you know what, what I mean? Like, dude, I'm out. <laughs> I'm not sticking around for this, man. Like just 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 give them something to think about. You know yeah, what I mean? Just just yeah. just rough them up just a bit. I mean, like yeah. I just the disrespect <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of really. continuing to shoot yeah, threes. Shoot threes. <laughs> Yeah, They're not man. you. You know they weren't pump faking like shit. <laughs> they weren't pump faking and driving. No, they were just tossing it. Tossing it and it's falling. They and when you're unconscious like that from th- like dude, I'm like yeah, I'm not sticking around, dude. There's nothing to see, man. Here. Man. <laughs> but I loved I loved that stat line more than anything else, man. The fact that they shot nine two pointers over the course of the game. Wow. That's just outstanding to me. Um, I don't think I have an Ali Farouk Manesh Award winner this week, uh, but I do have two Zubek Award winners. Yeah, I forget. Did you have a Zubek Award winner? No, I didn't. I've got two. Um, the first one is is the more obvious one. Uh, Dante Hall from uh, Alabama, nine points, seven rebounds, two assists, and eight blocks in the win over Oklahoma. Um. You know Trey Young versus Colin Sexton, KB. Did you get to Did you get to check any of this out? I didn't get a chance to see it, man. Ooh, okay. Now that's on the ESPN replay app right there. Okay. Right. right. Now, you know, and the listeners of the show know that uh, coming into the season, and even as recently as I mean, I would say last week, two weeks ago, I, I would still have said that Colin Sexton was the better prospect. Um, and I, I still feel that way, but but. I feel like in this game, the differences were really on display uh, clearly, right? I think that Trey Young is definitely a better passer. That goes without saying. Trey Young also definitely the better shooter from distance. Colin Sexton, easily the better defender, uh, easily better at uh, getting to the cup and finishing at the rim. Um, And, yeah, I mean, those – and obviously he's got the more, like, NBA body, right? So – you know, when you're looking at what you want, I mean, maybe it's a little more what style you play and what you want as a team. I mean, if your team's already got a bunch of shooters, then Sexton maybe is your guy. If you want to play the Warrior style where everybody on the floor is shooting threes constantly. You know, Young had some passes in this game that just, like, he'd be on the other side of the court, see a guy in the opposite corner and just throw it through the middle of the court, mm-hmm. you know, like I just absolutely put it on a saucer. You know what I mean? Um, just really impressive. Um, he had a very good second half. First half, Colin Sexton was all over him. And honestly, I think that between this and the previous game, that's got to be the model for anybody playing Oklahoma from now on. Face guard Trey Young. Don't let him get the ball. Get in his chest. Don't let him get the ball because out of Trey Young's 17 points, 12 of his points were him getting the ball, creating literally like a quarter of a second <laughs> of space, mm-hmm. launching it from like 30 feet and making it. Right. So, you know, I, there's no way to defend that other than what you do. And I tweeted, and I don't remember the stats because I, I should have looked it up before the episode. Trey Young has more three-point attempts from 25 feet out or farther than, like, anybody else, obviously. (laughs) Anybody in a while. He's shooting those, 
with regularity. Um, you know, and one other person from Alabama I wanted to mention is Herb Jones. Uh, their wing, super athletic. They kept saying on the broadcast how he's going to be great in a couple of years, how he's going to be a three-, four-year player, and he's going to be great for them by the time he's a junior, senior. I'm not convinced he's a guy that makes it to his junior, senior year. He might go before that. This dude is bouncy. He's long. He's fast. He's skilled. He showed that he could shoot a little bit in this game. And, you know, I could see, especially next year once Sexton is gone and him having a much bigger year, he could be a two-and-done guy. He is a freak athlete, uh, great potential on the wing. So uh, people who want some NBA futures, keep an eye out for Herb Jones. Um, and then finally, my second Brian Zubek Award winner uh, this week, just because I have to shout him out, Jack White from Duke. I razzed Jack White on this podcast brutally uh, during the Jordan Tucker stuff, where I was like, how is Jordan Tucker not playing over Jack White? He's Jack White. Well, against Notre Dame, he got five points and seven rebounds. That ties his career high in scoring, easily sets his rebounding career high. And honestly, Duke was sort of lagging a little bit in the second half. Kay threw in Jack White over Alex O'Connell, over Bolden, over everybody else. And I was sitting at home going, what is Kay doing? And what does Jack White do? He gets rebounds on six straight possessions, hits a three, and shows some impressive athleticism on a put-back dunk. He sort of dunked on Bagley a little bit. So, uh, Jack White, who knew? Hmm. The Thunder from down under. A little Australian hmm. love on the uh, on the Duke roster. So, uh, maybe he's a guy that will play uh, a few minutes you know, down the stretch this season. We'll see. It was nice to know that he's got a little more athleticism than I thought. Maybe that's just my own bias. I see a, a sort of slowish white guy. I, I don't think he's got, you know, ups like that. He, right. He's got some decent ups. Now, is that saying something about him, or is that saying something about Jordan Tucker, that Jordan Tucker couldn't play ahead of him? Hey, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's a valid question. You know, I was texting with Sam and Mark during the game, obviously, and, you know, uh, Sam just said straight up, like, this is why a lot of Duke fans don't care when players transfer. Because, like, if you're a, if you're Jack White and you're clearly working hard enough that you've made it into a game and then you get into the game, you make a difference in the game, you earn your minutes sort of the hard way, Jack White, I, I don't even know if he, – he's a three-star guy. He's playing over all these four- and five-star guys. But he's coming out there and playing better than a lot of those other guys looked. So, like, if somebody wants to transfer because they're not getting their minutes because a guy like Jack White is out playing them in practice, mm -hmm. you know, I, I would have preferred Jordan Tucker stay. I love his potential. But at the end of the day, that effort is what Coach K needs off the bench. He doesn't need talented guys marinating, you know, just wanting to go in and show off, show mm -hmm. what they can do. He wants – they want gritty guys. And Jack White brought the grit. I was impressed. Games of the week this week. KB, let's jump right into it. Texas Tech at TCU. TCU badly in need of a win, KB. I'm going with TCU. Yeah, I'm going with TCU too. I think this uh, this probably qualifies as like mini onions action. And Texas Tech like 23, 24, something like this. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, there's somewhere in there. Um, yeah, I... Uh, I think, as we've talked about with Virginia before, you beat them by shooting over them. TCU is a great shooting team, and Texas Tech playing the pack line, especially at TCU, I like their chances. FSU at Louisville. 
I'm going uh, Louisville. Yeah, I'm going Louisville too. I, FSU's got some good talent there, but they're just not like pulling it all together. Uh, Oklahoma at Texas. Uh, I'm gonna go OU. Yeah, I'm 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 tempted by Texas. I I don't really know whether like Kadeem Latin wants to play with Mo Bamba like that, and uh, they've got that big lumberjack looking dude for Texas, uh, Ozakowski or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, he's pretty skilled for a guy who's bigger than most of the people that Oklahoma's going to bust out. Um, but at the end of the day, I, look, it's Trey Young versus Matt Coleman. Uh, Andrew Jones is still out. I, yeah, I mean, I got to go Oklahoma as well. Miami at Virginia Tech. No Bruce Brown going Virginia Tech. Yeah, Virginia Tech is scary at home, too. They, they're, they're just one of those teams that gets wet and, and they can't miss, and then what are you going to do? Uh, West Virginia at Oklahoma. Going West Virginia. Yeah, man, uh, I want to. Um, just because the last one was so close, uh, b- b- but that was at West Virginia at Oklahoma. Oklahoma has not lost at home this year, um, and certainly I don't think Oklahoma has any problem getting up and down the court wanting to play that way. Uh, I'm gonna go Oklahoma here. Uh, Xavier at Butler, KB. Going Xavier. I don't know. I think I got to go with an onions pick here. Butler did That's it against. Onions pick. Yeah. I got to go again. Uh, they beat Nova at home. I feel like they can take Xavier at home. Um, yeah, I mean they're obviously not great, but as as you've pointed out a number of times, is Butler just they're just assholes <laughs> yeah that's that's a great way to describe it <laughs> and they can and they can win games like that and uh you know i think this is definitely one of those games where xavier they've been doing quite well obviously what are they what are they presently ranked uh six i believe six yeah yeah, yeah. um but you know uh since and, and they, they won at seton hall that's nothing to sniff at obviously um but they do have left Butler and Creighton back to back on the road. Um, I feel like something's got to give, uh, and you know, uh, I don't know. Maybe they look ahead a little bit to Creighton. That's the more obvious one, and uh, and Butler gets on them a little bit. But then again, it's in, I don't know. I'm still going Butler. I like the onions there. Tennessee at Kentucky. Uh, I'm gonna go Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, I'll go Kentucky, too. I, I went Tennessee last time, and it worked out. I, I definitely think that it's a bad matchup for Kentucky. Uh, but at home, at Rupp, especially, you know, with them having just beat West Virginia, feeling themselves, you know, feeling like they can play together real well. Uh, I'll take Kentucky here, but I'd probably take Tennessee against the spread. I think it'll still be real close. Um, and then TCU at Kansas. Uh, I'll go Kansas. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go Kansas, too. I mean, that's a great opportunity for TCU if they could pull it off, but I just I, – I don't know if they've got it. Um, KB, you said you had Onions picks. Now, I'm not saying these are going to happen. Okay? Oh, I like I like when it starts this way. I like when yeah, it I'm starts gonna, this I'm not way. Gonna say, but two games that kind of stood out to me a little bit were Penn State over Michigan State, Ooh. Maryland, Maryland okay. over Purdue, just for the simple fact – it's just two very desperate teams who understand that their chances to get signature wins to pad their tournament resume are dwindling very fast. 
I think they'll come in very desperate and play as such. So, again, I'm not saying Reynolds is going to beat Purdue. I'm not saying Penn State is going to beat Michigan State. But they're just two games that kind of stood out. That's what I'll say. Yeah. Um, who Michigan State is at home in that game. That's that's going to be a tough one for Penn State. But I, I like that one a little more than the Maryland one, frankly. I mean, I, just because I think – I think the recipe to beating Michigan State is out there. You know, get Jackson in foul trouble uh, and then force Bridges to have to create. Um, and, you know, uh, I I think that especially with the backcourt that Penn State has, maybe they can give Michigan State a little bit of issue. I, I, I like I like the potential there. Um, I just think Purdue is just so much better than Maryland. I think Maryland will turn the ball over 20 times in that game. Uh, but – they do have some size down low. They've definitely got, if they're clicking, they can shoot the three. They've got Fernando down low. So I I, I like the pick there. Both of those are, are bold. I like them. Uh, some, some road dogs pulling off the upsets. Mm-hmm. Uh, my other onions pick, again, I, is way smaller onions than your onions picks. Uh, I, I had the Butler over Xavier. That would be a really big one. Uh, and then I'm going to go Alabama over Florida. Um, I'm really high on Alabama right now. I think the fact that they're not ranked, you know, just has to do with some of their sloppiness earlier in the year. I think we were just talking about how teams are playing today. I really like Alabama as a top 25 team. And, uh, you know, Sexton versus Chioza. I think Sexton is just so much bigger than Chioza, and they're so reliant on him to get some stuff done um, that I, I'm, I think Alabama is a pretty easy pick here. Uh, yeah, so I think that does it. Anything else that we should br- – should we talk uh, – I mean, is there even anything to say about Izzo at this point? Uh, you know, I, I'm going a, I'm to a leave that alone for, for a week. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, all I'll say is this. I, I, I understand that, like, he probably is legally bound to not say anything. Like, I understand that that's probably – uh, just uh, his reactions are what they are because of that. That having been said, um, you'd think his lawyers could help him draft up something that's a little more uh, human-sounding yeah. than what he's been he saying. Kept, he kept mentioning the survivors. I, it's, a, it's just a strange choice of words. Like it wasn't like there was like a big fucking like plane, like a like a plane hit a mountain and like not nah, like dude like. I don't know, like, I, it just kind of seemed a little, like, he just didn't quite know what to say. They're victims. All right. I mean, to be fair, Walton did punch that one lady in the face. She's a survivor. <laughs> I guess, yeah, a survivor of that punch to the face. You're right, man. Yeah. He was, a, yeah, wasn't he a pretty big dude? I don't remember. He was about, like, 6'4", something like that. Yeah, but yeah. Not, yeah, not massive, but, I mean, sure, yeah, a large, you know, bigger than yeah. your average. If he's punching a lady absolutely. in the face, that's right, that's right. that's bad news. Right. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I just can't imagine that at some point, like, like their PR has been consistently terrible from the from the president's resignation, which yeah. is the most tone deaf and awful thing I've ever read, yeah. uh, to you know just their statements coming out. Uh, really, they they can't just. They can't say some human emotion things at some point during any of this. You know what I mean? Like, like showing a little bit of maybe. The, I guess they're just too scared. You know, what I mean? they're just too scared to be like, 
to accidentally ad- do something that could sound like an admission of guilt. But, right. you know, reading a statement with, like, a, a flat monotone, and then every time anybody asks you any questions, just going, I'm not talking about that, I'm not talking about that, I'm not talking about that. Like, getting a little testy yeah. about it. Like, he's... He's got to show a little more empathy to the media at this point. He he does. That's not his well strong when, suit. Yeah, that's not his strong suit. He doesn't react well when people challenge him. And I thought the one lady who asked him point blank and said, "Do you have any regrets about the culture that you know?" Like she she asked like two or three follow up questions to his like, "I'm not going to comment on any of this," because she was just like, "I'm either going to get him on the record or he's." going to be so transparently dodging this that he's going to look like an awful person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and he he took the bait. I mean, like, he he was clearly angry. Yeah. You know, so... See, and that's the one thing, like, I, I heard this this thing that John Feinstein did. Um, it was on Sirius today, and he was, like, talking about, like, you know, everything that's going on at Michigan State, there's no other person in college basketball more respected and no one else you would choose to take Michigan State into this new era where, you know, they have to deal with these type of issues. And I'm like, dude, you acting like he's coming from the outside, like they fired the old coach and he's coming into clean house. Like, he he was there. What the hell are you talking about? Right. Yeah, the the worst is just all the tone stuff that makes it sound like he's the victim. He's That's the, the worst. I, I, it's crazy. It's really bad. I mean, like, it, it it's one thing if, like, like I I don't know why they don't just come out and and say in a non-jerk way the same message of we followed every procedure. We understand that there are some reports that are out there. I uh, we fully anticipate that once, you know, people once this investigation is complete and you see all the facts, you're going to understand uh we have so like our hearts go out to literally everybody who has, you know, had to deal with all of this and obviously living through it again with it being, you know, happening again. But like, but like you can't just go out there and go, I did what I did. I did the right, I did everything I could do. I'm not talking about it. You know, he's right. right. There's gotta be human emotion there. Some somewhere Somewhere. that that he brings out. Otherwise, otherwise it's, uh, he's just going to keep getting cooked over and over again in every press conference for the, duration of the season because that investigation is not going to end before the season ends and he's obviously not going to go anywhere so right we'll see we'll see what happens um we'll see what happens obviously and obviously the other thing that we again don't need to dwell on because it's so predictable is the horrible reactions from some of the factions of michigan state fans which is predictable you know that's part of every fan base the the, I mean, the horrible people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but <laughs> I would almost be disappointed if they didn't react the way that they did, man. Like, <laughs> like seriously, like dude, like man, oh man, like some of these these fan bases, man, like it's 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 almost cultish. And people and people wonder why victims don't come forward. <laughs> it's it's I literally mean, that, because like, of this. It's because of this, right? Yeah. Right. So. Anyway, yeah. I'm sure there will be more facts in the coming months, and then we'll talk about whatever decision ultimately is made. Um, Until then, uh, where can the good people find you, KB? 
Yeah, uh, Thursday mornings, uh, High Five Starter Podcast, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts at. Megan, uh, follow me on Twitter at KBads, that's K-B-A-D-D-S, and I think that's it. We're going to get some good uh, Grammys talk this week? I actually watched most of it this year. I'm normally not a big Grammys person, but, uh, you know, some of the live performances I was kind of looking forward to, so, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about it a little bit, sure. Nice. Yeah, I was wondering what y'all thought. Uh, yeah, I'm Russell H. Film everywhere. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, etc. I've got a beer Instagram, Russell H. Beer. If you want to see uh, what Russell's been drinking, uh, you can see uh, that. That's been some fun to maintain. Uh, and then i got a movie show, Long and Late Movie Show, uh, which is on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Twitter.com slash L&L Movie Show. Uh, we should be doing our best of 2017 episode at some point in the next week or so. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, and then this show is on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, uh, etc. Twitter.com slash seconds, the number two madness. Thank you to everybody who uh, listens, who tweets at us, talks about us on Reddit. Uh, we very much appreciate it. Uh, I'll probably tweet at some point about... We're going to have to figure out some sort of like Patreon or something to get a few cents for... Uh, for the recording software uh, eventually. Uh, but, you know, that's a, that's a long-term thing. If you're a loyal listener of the show and you know you want to support, um, you know, reach out in the DMs. Let let me know. If, if you know of a good system that works, whether it's Patreon, whether it's making some merch, uh, whatever whatever it is that you think, you know, helps fans support podca- podcasts most easily, uh, we're obviously very happy to do that, to to work all of those things. So uh, let us know. And uh, thank you, as always, to you, KB. Appreciate it, bro. Uh, so for KBad and for myself, Russell Halon, this has been 2.1 Seconds to Madness. Good night. <laughs>